Hey, everybody, I'm Jeff Horwich, and this is In the Loop. Let me set the scene for you. 2001, I had just moved from Tokyo, Japan, to St. Cloud, Minnesota. I knew nobody. Nobody. And if you've ever been to St. Cloud, uh, you know that an out-of-towner does not just wander out to Main Street, uh, start shaking hands and hooking up with women. It does not work that way. St. Cloud does not work that way, uh, unless you're in college, in which case, I gather, it does work that way. But I was not in college. So I sat down uh, one Saturday morning, and I remember it well because it was very sunny. The sun was streaming in the windows. Uh, and I sat down on my floor in front of my futon because that, that seemed like a good casual spot, and I set up this brick of a digital camera, this is 2001, remember, uh, on my on my TV or something across the room, and I set the timer on it, and I sat back, I smiled, and I had a profile picture. Thus began a multi-year experiment that ultimately came to nothing. I'm not even sure I could even say I grew as a person. In fact, I think I shrank during that period, uh, especially after a short relationship uh, with the friend of someone I met online, which ended in a giant ball of fire uh, of my own making. Um, Not that you need the internet to make the rookie mistake of taking someone out to a nice dinner to break up with them, but I digress. And you don't want to hear about me, actually, because most of my online dating stories are hopelessly boring. And in fact, that is my main recollection of that period of my life. Many, many, well, I remember other things from that period of my life, but as far as dating goes, many, many very boring first dates with people who had never heard of public radio. And really, in my line of work, in that case, where, where do you start? You know? But what follows, everybody, is not boring. No way. Out of the blue the other day, we got a story from someone about online dating gone horribly wrong, and we thought two things. One, I'll bet lots of other people have great online dating stories. And two, it is the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, We'd kind of like to not be here Thursday and Friday, and maybe this would make a cool format breaker of a show that could be just kind of a win-win all around. So, here we are. Short stories, longer stories, interviews, uh, and a song at the end, not by me. Uh, all courtesy of you, the listener. And these stories, by the way, almost all came from people on our email list, uh, in our network, as we say. If you're not in it, get in it. Go to intheloopshow.net and join up. So let's start the show with uh, a bunch of stories here, mostly shorter ones that we picked up on our voicemail line over the past week or so and uh, from other folks over the phone. At the tone, please record your message. I'm Stacy Rooney from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I won't go into all of the gory details of the date itself. I will say his poor meal never had a chance. He brutally attacked a sandwich, separating carb from protein, choosing the middle of our table as the final resting place for the discarded parts that didn't make his diet standards. Let's just fast forward past the part where he wanted to sit on the same side of the table as me rather than across from me, or the part where my boss coincidentally walked into the restaurant and I experienced the awkwardness of having to explain the situation. These were all parts I was willing to overlook. The meal ended, and Mr. Chatty McChatterson had yet to take a breath. I had given up listening somewhere between the death of his childhood pet Tweety and the disgrace he faced upon receiving an A- in his seventh grade English class. 
I had retreated to the comfortable company of my inner voice. I wondered how he had managed to eat the protein portion of his meal without even taking a half-second pause from talking. If not for my complete boredom, I might have felt some awe for this ability. I needed to take action. He must be stopped. So I loudly and boldly launched into a story that I knew would take at least five minutes. I avoided eye contact with him. I needed five minutes. Five minutes to pretend I was on a date with someone else, anyone else. As I began to relax to the sound of my own voice, or at least the sound of anything but his voice, I felt a draft on my cheek. I looked toward the door of the restaurant to see if the wind had picked up outside. The door was closed. Continuing to avoid eye contact with Mr. Chatty, I continued my story. Then I felt it again, another slight breeze. I glanced up at the ceiling fan. Then, out of the corner of my eye, I saw it. In one terrible moment, I understood what was happening. It had nothing to do with a blustery Minnesota wind or a ceiling fan. Mr. Chatty had blown on my face from across the table. Hadn't he blown enough hot air tonight? Apparently not, because he was now literally blowing hot air on my face. I was overcome with emotions, confusion and repulsion toward the top of the list, but ultimately I felt pathetic. How had my life brought me to this moment? If I could turn back time, what change could I make to lead my life down a different path? I abruptly stopped my story and looked at my watch. What time is it? He asked with desire in his voice. Time for me to go. This is Sarah Martin calling from Minneapolis. I'm answering your call for uh, online dating horror stories. It was with a Russian man, and his name was Vladimir. And uh, we actually had a lot in common. It, it was, by all judgments, uh, a really good date. Had a lot to talk about, and he was very funny, and he thought I was very funny, and uh, we got on very well. He told me that he had heard that American women were uh, very vain and self-centered, and I was neither of those things, and that I was very beautiful and very fun to talk to. And after dinner... I agreed to go for a little walk with him. And then when we got back to the cars, he asked me to marry him. It had been a good date. And for the, the, the briefest of moments, I actually considered it. And then told him that I couldn't make that kind of decision so quickly and avoided all the rest of his emails. Um, from that point on, maybe you would have taken me to Russia. That would have been fun, right? <laughs> well, this is Linda Lee. I'm from St. Paul. And I just wanted to say that I met my boyfriend online on an online dating service. And I didn't think it was as scary and weird as people make it out to be or even as I thought it was going to be. So I just hope that your other stories on the show don't scare people away from trying it. Our relationship isn't perfect. We still have bugs to work out here and there, but it's certainly no more so than people who meet in a bar or something like that. I'm Rich Goldsmith from Minneapolis. Early on in Internet dating, probably around 1999, my friend had posted an ad on Yahoo, and he was pretty well-educated and good-looking, so we all thought this was kind of odd. So... We smiled and nodded and, and gave him a ridiculous amount of crap for it. So one night I was at his apartment for a party, and he, he dis 
disappeared on us, so I figured he was drunk and passed out in his bedroom. But he didn't pass out. He had actually started chatting with some girl who, who instant messaged him about his ad. Apparently, according to him, she was a Victoria's Secret model, but she couldn't send him any pictures because they were all tied up with copyrights and legal issues. And she lived in River Falls, Wisconsin. Most of us were pretty much convinced that it was a 400-pound Wisconsin man living on disability in his mom's basement, and we told him so. So the next weekend, instead of watching the Vikings game with us that Sunday, he was going to drive to River Falls and meet this girl. We didn't think that would work out very well, but we told him to say hi to the sweaty guy for us. I went over to his place on Sunday to watch the game with his roommates, who were also friends of mine, uh, and hang out afterwards to have a few beers and make jokes about his date. Uh, eventually he showed up, and uh, as he walked in the door, we asked him how his date went. He told us we could ask him ourselves. Of course, what happens next, this incredibly gorgeous blonde girl walks in the room, and she actually is a Victoria's Secret model, a 20-year-old Victoria's Secret model. He tended to have all the luck. My name is Chris Biak, and I'm from Minnetonka. A few years ago, I tried internet dating. I was about ready to give up when this guy emailed me and asked me out for coffee. We talked for a while, and then he asked me if I wanted to take a walk down by Minnehaha Creek, which was nearby in a wooded area. I thought, what kind of freak is this guy? But just said no politely each time he asked. After our date, he called his sister and told her about this weird woman he'd gone out with who wouldn't even take a walk with him by the creek. She thought you were a perv, his sister said. I would never take a walk with some guy I just met. He called me a few days later and apologized. We had a wonderful romantic second date, and a year later, we got married. Okay, this is Jeff again. So we've listened to a few uh, of the stories we had rolling, and we're going to have more for you. But we thought it'd be fun with a couple of folks to just invite them into the studio and uh, talk through the, the online dating experience. And the first of those that we have today is Mitch Berg, who you've heard on uh, In the Loop a number of times before. Mitch, welcome back. Thank you very much. Uh, and when I sent this question out to our listeners, I always know, of course, you're out there reading and listening to what we are asking about. I didn't expect to hear from you on this particular question. Really? Do tell. Well, I just didn't. I guess I don't know anything about your your personal life. What's your situation, as they say? I have been single uh, officially for nine years and, and, in fact, for closer to 10 right now. So I've I've gone an online date or two. Online dating turned out to be by far the easiest way to meet people. The bar thing never works. I mean, that's how I got married the first time. Now, you say, a, again. you say an online date or two. You were the only person to respond to us with actual statistics you've computed in, about in um, 10 years it's been dating. somewhere north of 160 first dates and nothing that ever panned out obviously because well here i am talking about online dating to me every blind date is like walking down the stairs when you're a kid on christmas morning and thinking okay this will be the year i get the train and and of course most blind dates are well the the dating equivalent of unwrapping those socks so so take me through the the various sites that you've tried because you've set up profiles and uh, landed dates perhaps on any number of different uh, sites that are available. And, and how do you think of uh, the different sites? Well, each of the sites has a personality. For example, Match.com should be called Help, I Just Broke Up, or I Just Got a Divorce and I Need to Be With Someone Now.com. Hmm. Uh, eHarmony, on the other hand, I think would probably be properly labeled I Really Want to Get Married Now.com. Plenty of fish is eh, I'm Too Cheap for Match. Dot com. There's a few others out there. Nerve.com? Nerve.com is kind of a less well-known one, and that's the uh, help I'm horny, I need to hook up now.com. Uh, that's, that's probably what I would have called that one. Yeah. Having been on 
how many first dates? 160? 165, I think. Can you give me anything that approximates a typical first online date? Typical first online date usually works out uh, meeting someone in public somewhere. The first meeting where you make your first eye contact and both sides are pretty palpably trying to make sure they don't react with uh, with terribly revealing facial expressions like, oh my God, what am I getting myself into? And then uh, usually the, the, the phase of the, the awkward conversation, trying to feel things out, the realization that two weeks of emails and phone conversations do not prepare you to speak fluently and easily with someone that you're just meeting for the first time. And then things either pick up and go nicely or they kind of fall off into the tank and bid your do and that's all she wrote any just smash up disaster stories from from those first dates i've had a few i had one that i thought uh, was going really well had spent five hours out at stillwater with someone and did the usual post-date phone call saying hi how are you doing left a phone message didn't hear anything for two weeks and got a a three-page rundown of everything that was wrong about me as a person, no. as, a, as, a, as a potential boyfriend, as a host, as a maintainer of cars. Didn't like my shirt. Didn't like how I held my fork when we ate. Didn't like how I ordered the spaghetti. One thing after another. Oh, why bother? Just walk away, right? Why write the letter? You know, I spent some time delving through the DSM-4, the clinical what? narcissism, the DSM-4, oh, the Diagnostic Manual for Psychologists. Oh, yes. Came up with a couple of things. I thought maybe borderline clinical narcissism or something like that, but I just figured I, I, I went on the next date and it was all forgotten, more or less. Mitch, you host a radio show and uh, you write a blog about uh, politics. Do you talk about politics on the first date ever, or is it better to uh, save it for the second or the I usually try and avoid it on the first date, but I've had this happen a number of times where through the miracle of Google, women are able to find out all sorts of things about your background. And, and I've had this happen uh, probably five or six times that I can remember where I'll have a, be having a nice email or phone conversation with someone over the course of a number of days working up towards that big first date. And I'll get a get an email with uh, some combination of ire and condescension dripping from every character going, I, I just Googled you and I, I found out that you're a conservative. I, I could never go out with, with one of you. And mm-hmm. and my usual response is, well, you know, you're lost. Thanks a lot for playing. It happens a lot. And I, I'm sure it happens on the other side of the aisle as well. But there have been attempts at uh, focused political dating sites and they flop badly because I guess there's some portion of life where people, myself included, like to go to forget about politics once in a while. Well, Mitch, thanks a lot for coming in and uh, sharing your experiences with us and your statistics. Thank you very much. And if you want to get to know Mitch a little better and you're not afraid of his politics, visit his blog at shotinthedark.info. Now let's uh, dive in for a few minutes into the story that kind of got us thinking about this whole topic in the first place. It rolled in uh, randomly, as far as I know, uh, from another part of the country through our Public Insight Journalism Network. And uh, Anna Weggle, who works with us here at the show, uh, flagged it and we passed it around a little bit and thought, you know what, we should call this guy up and... Learn a little more. My name is Ace Elliott, and I live in Ferris, Texas. I'm 65. I've been single for 15 years, and I hadn't had any uh, womanly companionship. I thought, well, you know, I didn't really know anybody around here, so I thought, well, I'll get on a Christian dating site and try to find somebody that would like to just have a mutual friendship with no marriage or anything like that connected to it. So when I got on there, I, I gave up my profile and told them who I was and what I was looking for. And uh, so a couple of days later, I got hit on by um, this person out of Spain. 
I don't know, it just caught me by surprise. And um, she was telling me about her situations in life. Her father had passed away and her mom was in uh, Spain and she was ended up in Nigeria because she was a makeup artist. It was a captivating conversation every time we talked and we had 90 conversations on emails and stuff within less than a month. It stole my heart just as soon as I, I started communicating with this person. I was the one that first mentioned anything about money because I just had a sense that something was going on that she needed help, and I don't know, it was just in my spirit to, to feel that. So when I did, well, uh, she said, well, that's strange because it just so happens that my boss, who's from China, left me stranded in this hotel, and I don't have any money, and I can't get out of here. The hotel manager's holding my passport. He won't let me uh, give me my passport until the bill's paid so I can go back home to Spain. So without my passport, I can't go anywhere. That was where the story started taking some turns. And uh, so I contacted the webmaster on the Christian Dayton site, and I told him the first time I thought everything looked good, and I thought this was going to be a good relationship. Well, then when I got to suspicion and that this was turning into a scam, I talked to him again, and he said, yes, this is definitely a scam. So I uh, kept telling her that I would try to help her. I, I, I went on ahead and went along with the story. And I really, in my heart, still wanted to believe that this person was real, that this woman was real. I know I've been warned and warned that this person is not who she is. Well, I, I needed some confirmations of some kind. So I thought, well, I'll uh, try to contact some churches or missionaries over in Nigeria to go check out this girl that was staying at this hotel. And so I finally did get a hold of somebody there. And uh, she emailed me back and she said, uh, this she is a he, beware. That's what I need to really get my heart turned around to believe that she's not real. Up to then, I just wanted to believe that she was real. And, uh, you know, those words were sweet to me because I hadn't heard those from a woman in, in a long, long, long time. So uh, that's part of the reason I think I got caught up in the whole scam. Anyway, at the end, he, uh, the email I had from him was, he says, yes, I am a scammer. My family needs to survive, and that's why I'm doing this. I know that you have a lot you can help me with, and I will be so grateful if you can do anything to help me because I need a change of life because I am not happy. He confessed that, and uh, I just don't believe that. Uh, it was just too smooth, and I believe he obviously was in operation longer than just this one scam that he was working. <laughs> so I thought it was a good discerner of good and evil, you know, but uh, this, this taught me a lesson that I'm not as smart as I thought it was. Hey, this is Jeff again, and uh, Amy Salloway is with me now in the studio. Amy, thanks very much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Having seen what you're capable of at, at Story Slams and uh, with your writing and performing, I'd have expected we'd maybe get some good stories from you, but <laughs> this was almost 
I, I almost hesitate to get into it a little bit because in some ways it's so so brutal and kind of raw like <laughs> your life in online dating. But but here goes. Well, I guess the first thing I want to say is that I've done personal ads on and off for at least the past nine years. For a while, I felt like it was sort of my occupation. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. I was doing a lot. And, uh, and then I kind of slowed down, partly because I started feeling like this was not a method of meeting people that was going to work for me. And this is probably the dominant paradigm that ruled my personal ad life. People liking me in email and then not liking me in person. A better and they way don't to just say like that, you in email, as, as you described in any way. And I can imagine this is very much true. They love you in email. Yeah, they did. I give good email. Um, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I love writing. I mean, I'm a writer and mm-hmm. I love words. And so often I would find guys online that also loved words and that also loved being witty and loquacious. Guys who would love that I just used the word loquacious, which was wonderful. But then things would go wrong in various ways. One thing that often happened was that suddenly men who were amazing in print couldn't string four words together on the phone. The other thing that happened a lot was that even though I would be very frank about my physical appearance, I think there's a there's a metamorphosis that happens that while you're writing or while you're in an email exchange, that reality goes away. And I think men would sort of replace that reality with what they hoped I would look like. Mm. I think they enhance the pictures in their heads because they want to. And I'm sure I did the same thing. I'm sure I did. Um, So when we would meet in person and they would see right then the brutal reality of, no, actually, this is the body that that personality is contained within, Mm -hmm. they would get what I started referring to as crestfallen face, where I would watch their face just melt into disappointment and despair. (laughs) And don't you think people would know better? Right. I mean, they would you, you don't you want to show up to that first date as, with as much of a kind of poker face mentality as you can. Right. I think there must be something in human DNA that disallows that from happening. Mm. <laughs> I think I think that's the thing about personal ads. It allows people to fill in the blanks on both sides. And I after a while, I, I just, I couldn't take the crestfallen face anymore. I couldn't take watching men and hearing men be disappointed and sometimes even brutally mean <laughs> and mm-hmm. rude and horrible. Like the guy who took me to lunch and then dropped me off at the side of the road afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Saying, yeah. um, I have someplace to be. You'll be okay here, right? <laughs> just a, a random street. Um, was University on his Avenue way in St. Paul, actually. He oh, just delightful. like literally could, apparently could not be in the car with me a minute longer. Uh-huh. You can get some shopping done, but... Y- yeah, <laughs> I needed to go to Target. Not exactly your neighborhood. pick up a few things, some rope. Is it a certain callousness that maybe you get because of the way the relationship started with, with that kind of distance, that people feel like they can ab- abuse the other person in, when they do meet face-to-face if, if they want to? Because you're not the only person who who yeah, has stories like that. Really. It's unbelievable. I think about that a lot. I think when we have media, when we have electronics and communication devices that can distance us from someone else, I think it is easier to 
depersonalize them, to think, mm. I'm not really hurting them. My emotions aren't affecting their emotions. I can say or do anything. You've explored some relationships with people, maybe they only stayed online, but uh, with flawed men. Do you feel like your own standards, like you adjust them yourself when you go into that situation? Okay, so so one thing I'll say is um, my best friend Lori and I were placing and responding to personal ads at the same time as each other on some of the same websites. And we started saying our catchphrase with each other was that we were running the island of misfit boys. It's <laughs> um, a good one for this um, time of year. Yeah. yeah. I'm really aware that I'm a misfit. And like I said before, I am not a cookie cutter woman. I'm not what every man wants by any stretch of the imagination. So well, you're a little hard I'm, on yourself. I mean, well, maybe this is what <laughs> online dating does to a person. <laughs> but but I think I'm naturally accepting and compassionate. And I think I really welcome flaws and foibles, maybe more than the typical woman. Within reason, you know, there's a continuum. Uh-huh. I corresponded with, um, <laughs> and really I say this with love, with two different men who were both schizophrenic and unable to live on their own. Mm-hmm. One lived with his parents on a raspberry farm. He also wrote beautiful emails. They were poetic and swirly and psychedelic, and he would accidentally swap words like pickle and project. <laughs> um, and, um, I'm working and, on the pickle. Yeah, yeah. Really? Really. He wrote about how we were going to run away together on a cloud of bubbles. I mean, that's really beautiful when you think about it. And Project Pickle Man... Um, was was sweet and beautiful. And and we actually talked on the phone, and I thought, well, you know, his friends come and visit him on the raspberry farm. Who's to say I couldn't come date him on the raspberry farm? Mm. But then he started asking me if I ever wanted to kill my parents with a knife, and right. that kind of ended things. I corresponded with a man who had OCD, and he tapped his forehead about once every... I'm going to say five to seven seconds. And wow. he, too, was very upfront about that. He During said, dinner or what? Yeah, mm-hmm, totally. He dumped me. What you were asking about standards, this is kind of where you get to the place of I'm accepting of people who are pretty far towards the misfit boy end of the spectrum, but I'm finding that those people aren't interested in me. What does that say about me? Not that there's anything wrong with mental illness, not that there's anything wrong with... If even that sector is telling me no, how bad must I be? How unacceptable must I be? Well, and, and I hope that you fought your way back from, from those questions to some extent. Honestly, it's a battle every single day. I think personal ads are both a blessing and a curse in the opportunity they provide to come to terms with yourself, to ask yourself, okay, where is my self-esteem and when do I want to ride on that self-esteem and wave my self-esteem flag and say, I'm worth more than this? Mm -hmm. And when are the times when you look at yourself and say, okay, that was a person who I really had hoped not to be rejected by. Hmm. Why was I rejected and what can I do about it? So you're off it now, right? Online dating? You're done? No, I don't do much. I still have ads on two sites that I can think of offhand. Here's here's the honest answer that probably won't make it on the air, and then I'll give maybe a more moderated answer. The honest answer is I do feel really crabby about myself lately. 
I can't I can't put myself in that kind of zoo in that kind of jungle when I'm already a couple pints low on self-esteem. Um, and that's where you are right now in yeah. the in the cycle. Every now and then I log on, and every now and then I do a search and just see who's around. But I don't get many responses, and I'm not pushing it. I think I'm, I think I'm leaving those ads up there, in case anything new and magical happens. But mostly, I hope to meet somebody in daily life. You know, when I'm 100% me in the flesh and blood in three dimensions. And somebody can see all of that together and like all of it together. Well, thank you for sharing all this with us. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for letting me babble about this. Amy Salloway is a, an actor, writer, solo performer here in the Twin Cities. And you can catch her next at the uh, Rockstar Storyteller Show, Bryant Lake Bowl, January 31st. And um, what a what an appropriate theme for this one. What's the, uh, what's the theme for the evening? The theme is romance and erotica. <laughs> nice. Well, we got you all warmed up for it. Thanks so much. <laughs> and thanks for coming in. Thank you. And to wrap up this little online dating episode, uh, just a taste of a musical submission from our friend, another story slammer, Gabe Heller, who happened to have this song written about his own online dating experiences. He pointed it out to us, and we thought, yeah, we'll spin a bit of that to uh, to end the show. So here you are. The song is called E-Ladies by Gabe Heller. I went online, try my hand. Supplied and meet them and I looked them up and looked them down But I was looking for a woman and all of them are ladies now Ladies now, ladies now oh, I was looking for a woman but all of them are ladies now all All right, that's Gabe Heller there with the John Denver Warble. And uh, if you want to find out more about him, you can just Google Gabe Heller. And the CD, by the way, is called Everyone Thinks I'm Dave. But he's not. He's Gabe. And here's a note about Gabe that's uh, a nice way to end the program, especially since we're talking about uh, dating and such on the show today. We just learned, Sandin and I, the other day, that Gabe has become engaged to Sarah Martin, who told one of the stories left on our voicemail that you heard earlier in the show. Uh, we knew they were dating, I guess, and, and just learned that they're going to get married. And that's awesome. Congratulations, you guys. The cool thing about it for us uh, is that those two met at an In the Loop Story Slam. So, to my knowledge, this is our first In the Loop wedding. Very cool. And to all of you who might still be hoping to meet your soulmate at an In the Loop Story Slam, let me just say I'm working on that. We want to have another one. And uh, when we do, come on out and meet the guy or gal of your dreams. In the meantime, there is online. Credits for the show today, very important. Uh, Anna Wegel, who you usually hear me mention at the end of the show for helping us out in, in various ways. Well, she uh, found the story that got us thinking about this in the first place and brought us to look into it more and then uh, track down almost all the material that you heard, I think and uh, made sure that we made a good show of it. So, Hannah, we're very grateful for all your work on this one. And Sandin Totten, of course, working uh, alongside her to make everything beautiful and uh, flow nicely and do his usual thing. And uh, me, on the other hand, I just sort of show up to do a couple interviews and uh, say things like, thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. We will be back to our usual format, more or less, whatever the heck that is, next week. 